what is the importance of her seeing a wife? For me, it was very early on when she was younger. Um, she would see her mom and I out when we're going to the fair or taking her to the movies or taking her to a school event. And one thing that she said was, I want to be a mom. Mm. I want to have kids. And I said, that's good. Let's work on being a wife first. I am on a journey to discover, uncover, and recover love. Life is about helping others. Dear future wifey has been doing exactly that. You stated that women are to present and not to pursue. It has given us a, a roadmap on how relationships were meant to be by God. There are still black men who love the Lord and their end goal is marriage. Thank you for teaching me how to stay lit, how to be intentional and transparent. You read your, your letter, I cried. I just got married two months ago and I'm listening to the podcast so I can stay married. I'm Lateris R. Whitfield and this is season four. These dating streets on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. I'm your host, Latera Star Whitfield. Listen, we are on the road to 100K subscribers. Hey, if you're still shacking up with us, come on. This is the fourth season. I believe that you have commitment issues. So go ahead, make a commitment and subscribe. You know what? I got a DM from someone that said, Hey, I've been watching since the first season. I finally decided to subscribe. I'm like, what are you going through? What are you waiting on? It's, it's not like it's costing you anything to subscribe. But thank you to all 80,000 of you who have made a commitment and subscribed. I really appreciate it. Hey, a lot of you have been stepping up and have been donating to Kingdom Royale. I totally appreciate it. Uh, we're still in the fundraising mode of raising the down payment for Kingdom Royale on this land that we want to purchase. So thank you so much for all you who have stepped up to the plate. I'm asking for... 5,000 people to donate just $20 to change the trajectory of our African-American boys in the foster care system. So go ahead, step up and make a donation. Listen, I'm so excited to have today's guest on the podcast. I met him organically on a live that I did on IG uh, just last week, and I just resonated with his spirit. And I said, you know what? I got to have this brother on the podcast. So without further ado, welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast, my new homie, Jai Holiday. How you doing, brother? Doing all right about yourself. Man, I'm doing great. Now, who do we have sitting next to you, this beautiful young lady? This is my mini-me, Inali, and this is my eight-year-old daughter. Eight and a half, I'm sorry. Eight and a half. She said, I want all my my, my points on Every bit. Every bit. Every bit. So, uh, we were on a live, and we were doing a live about um, body count, and would... Um, is body count necessary to even know the number and whatnot? Or do you feel like that's something that shouldn't be disclosed? But in that live, I connected with you because you have such, like your daughter's your priority. And it reminded me of when I was 18 years old and I was a young teenage father and everywhere I went, my daughter was with me. And I said, man, and some things that you said in that episode or that live that, that made me say, I got to talk to this brother because I love the way this brother thinks. I love his heart, and I love how you, uh, you cover your daughter. So I said, as this king, I, it's an honor to sit down and talk to you. So this episode is affectionately titled, A Package Deal. Yes, indeed. So you said, so tell me what you said. Do you remember what you said about you're not looking for another mother for your daughter because she has a mother? What else, what what'd you say you were looking for? So the question was asked was why I was single and I was trying to find the best words to express it because in the past, the way I would word it would come off a bit harsh or a bit <laughs> cold uh, to some people. So I was trying to find the right words, but essentially what I said was when looking for someone that I want to partner with for the rest of my life, I don't need someone to be a mother for my daughter because she has a mother. Her mother is in her life. We co-parent. She's an amazing woman. So I don't need anyone to come in and try to become the mother in the house. What I need was an example for my daughter in the house of what it is to be a woman of faith, to be a wife in faith. So that way she would have the standard of not only me as an example of a man, but also that example of how a woman interacts with that man in the marital setting. 
because she has me as a dad and then she has me as a man, but she doesn't see me as a husband. So that was essentially what I was trying to express within the live when I answered that question. So uh, why do we have a Nolly on set right now? This is who is in my hip pocket at all times. When I have her, she's with me at all times. This is what it looks like when I'm not at work. Um, if I don't have a moment of going out with friends or if I don't have a moment where she's playing with her friends, it's it's me and her. This is the bulk of my dating scene right here. <laughs> this is who I go on the most dates with, movies, dinner, movies at the park, going to the park, whatever the case may be. This is my this is my primary date, so I'm looking for my secondary date right now. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Well, that was the, the, the politically correct response. What really <laughs> happened was – Anali came, sat up there, and she said, I'm not leaving. She said, I want to be on camera. I want to be famous. She said, I want to be a YouTuber. So put me in, coach. So Anali <laughs> is in the game. So she said, hey, listen, I want to sit here. She said, I'm not going to play with my, 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 my game right now. I'm here. So Anali, welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. She, she says that she watches the podcast, and she sees her dad watching the podcast. So this is, this is a, a special moment. So, yeah, this is great for you to be able to witness this and understand a reference of what it looks like when a man gets extremely intentional on uh, pursuing love. So, you know, I can't wait to hear what you glean from this um, in the future. So um, does this make you uncomfortable with your daughter sitting right here when we finna have this real grown adult conversation? No, not at all. Why not? Because within the house, when I have family around or if I have friends around, I... I don't hold back when it comes to the conversations that we have because I need her to see honesty and I yes. need her to see vulnerability at all times. So I do choose my words a little bit more wisely in certain situations because, you know, not everybody has my mindset. So I may have some friends over that may be a little, little, <laughs> little more culturally involved with their vocabulary. So I don't dive into that, but nonetheless, I still want to be as, uh, as honest as I can be. So she witnesses it all. And, then if something needs to be explained or I feel like I need to express something, then I could try to break it down to a level that she can understand it. But she observes more of what I do on a routine basis. And I'm a very simple guy, so it's not like I have to hide or adjust anything that I do. So it just comes natural for her to be around. Good. Now, you you gave her mom major props, talked about how amazing she she is uh, in the introduction of your daughter. Um you have been divorced how many years? A little over two years. Two years. How did you walk your daughter through that divorce? Oh, wow. Uh, well, for the most part, when everything started happening, she was really young. So she wasn't really aware of a lot that was going on. Um, but as she started becoming more aware of things that were happening, I didn't explain anything directly as far as what we were going through as the parents and the adults. I just put the attention on her. I, I poured that energy into her yeah. where as I was going through, you know, kind of my ups and downs mentally and emotionally, I would just channel that into, you know, showing love and affection to her and, and making sure that she knew that I was there and I was present for her and that I wasn't distracted or I was, you know, mentally checking out while physically still being there. So yeah. everything that concerned her from, you know, schooling or events or family events, I just made sure that I did the best I could to just show her that she was my focus. Yeah. And there was always moments here and there because I'm not going to sit here and say like I had everything figured out. There were moments when, you know, my emotions were no longer on my sleeve and they were all over my face. <laughs> and this is, you know, this is my stability. So she could see it and yeah. she could sense it. So if I was in a negative space or my face didn't look right to her, she'd be right in my face, rubbing on my beard, asking me what's wrong and asking me if we could watch a movie or something like that. Good. So she was that calm to the storm in certain instances when I couldn't hold it together. But yeah. for the most part, I would just channel it all into her and worked out pretty well so far. <laughs> Did it work out? Nod your head. Did it work out? Good, good. <laughs> That's all right. So listen, so um, now you're back in these dating streets as season four has been affectionately called is these dating streets. What are you seeing out here? Wow. Uh, what I'm seeing is basically what I've battled with personally, and it's a lot of impatience. Mm. 
it's a lot of, you know, you have the attraction there and you have a conversation and then it's like, let's just dive right into being exclusive. And for me, I approach dating a little bit different. I like to have, I like to have a, a few conversations before we actually step out and go and do something or meet up with one another. And I haven't gotten past the conversation with 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 too many of them because. So you haven't gotten the face to face interaction with, with many of them. I've had a, a handful of physical face to face dates, and yeah, <laughs> it just it just hasn't worked in my favor just yet. So you said, so how are you meeting these women? Uh, primarily, uh, I have a lot of events through work even despite the the pandemic we still have uh certain events that we've done or put together to where we can at least try to get out of the work home rhythm of you know what we've had to kind of fight through with the whole pandemic and so just casual events here and there kind of come across somebody within you know the group setting and just approach them if you know if they're attractive and you know ask name ask number or now social handle because everybody goes through social media so kind of go through the whole text and dm thing and just kind of get a feel for each other and like i said if it moves beyond the conversation then we actually have a date but otherwise it'll kind of stop at the at the dms or the text messages so you'll do you'll just walk up to her and shoot your shot oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah you say you ain't gonna hesitate. You see what you like, you're gonna go and holler at not at all not at all in the past i wouldn't have in the past i was I was very, very insecure and, and unsure of myself. So there would be times when I'd be out with some of my guys and I'd see somebody. Yeah. They'd see me see somebody. <laughs> like, oh, go talk to her. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> but you look, nah, I'm good. And then I just leave it there. And then I kind of beat myself up after it where I was yeah. like, I need to just take a chance. So now I just go after it. Like, I, I don't hesitate. It's like, hey. She looks nice. I'm going to go say, hey, how you doing? At least tell her she look good. Yeah. Even if I, you know, take that so-called L. Yeah. Like, at least she knows that she look good from <laughs> from another man's perspective. So, You know, I know you watch my podcast, and uh, you've been riding with me since the beginning. But that has been my little insecurity is just walking up to a woman like, hey, how you doing? You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> the reality is I'm more attracted to a woman's mind, and there's no – way you can see her mind. And so if I go talk exactly. to her and she ain't talking about nothing, I'm be like, all right, just want to say hi. And then I'm, <laughs> I'm going to turn back around and walk the other way. She's like, that was odd. The dude came up to me. So so I like the interaction. If I can hear her speak, the best way for me to get attractive if we're in some group setting and we're having dialogue and we're all just talking and I'm hearing her dropping gems and saying some stuff. And then I'll yes. be like, hey. Hey, look at her. Then I will approach. Then I'm going to talk to her because I know that we have something to discuss. Um, You know, most men, we're all attracted by the physical. So that's what attracts us to the person. But it's like, yeah, I got to hear you talking about something. I got to hear you talking about something. You said something interesting at the beginning um, when we walked in. You said something about what, what were you talking about when women meet you? They get surprised by what? My height. (laughs) <laughs> and you said, and, you said and, and talk about that how tall are you i am five four and you said you're five four and how what what type of pushback or reaction do you get when you meet a woman you don't matter uh whether you met well if you meet her face to face then and she give you a number then that's not an issue is it not initially and then what happens over time it's just i don't know if it's just the mindset of wanting somebody taller they want the tall, dark, and handsome still, yeah. and I wasn't in the line when that happened. So <laughs> eventually, down the line, it's just like, okay, he's not—he's not the height that I want, and so I then get put in the friend zone. You know, that's interesting. And see, oh, we talk about—I did an episode <laughs> called "Preference Versus Purpose." Now we all got these preferences, you know, um, but the reality is, and I love it when I have couples that are able to look past those preferences. And be able to say, you know what, I did initially like a guy that's this or like a woman that's that. But then I began to talk to him and spend time with him. And the thing that was my preference began to take an aside to what those soft skills are, those 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 
intangibles, those things that people just can't manufacture or can't go to gym and get is the fact that they have integrity, they have morality, they have your, they're fun to be around, you know? And it's like, that's where I say we need to lean more into, yes, you got to be attracted to the person, but it's not like you're some unattractive guy. It's just the fact that, hey, like you said, I wasn't alive when they was giving out height or whatever. And how are you going to use that against me? It's almost like, woman, would you rather be single for the rest of your life then have somebody that will actually love you, cover you, uh, care for you, pray over you, protect you, uh, just because there's a height difference. You know what I'm saying? And so how do those women voice that to you? For the most part, they don't until it's like a a group setting. Uh, because for me, I'm a very family-oriented person. So if we get to that point where we're connecting and spending time together, you're going to meet who I call my family because yeah. I don't really call my friends family because if you get to that point in my life, you're going to see a lot, you're going to experience a lot and I hold nothing back from them either. So they're kind of like my filter mm -hmm. of getting that stamp of approval of like, is, is this going to be something long-term or are you just going to be, you know, kind of a part of the circle. And so in those moments, it's just like, well, I mean, he, he's nice. And they'll leave it at that. And I'm like, okay, you, you can elaborate a little bit more. You know, I, I know I'm nice. I know I'm a gentleman. That, that's been my mindset and my goal and my way of living. Like, I, I have to be a gentleman. It's a yeah. must. I, I grew up around majority women, so I have no choice. <laughs> if I step wrong, then I got a, I got a phone full of, of, of hot ears just ready to light into me. So I, <laughs> like, I can't do anything but. But when it goes beyond the nice, it's just like. I need somebody who I can look up to. I got it. Exactly. I, got I, got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is this is good because I know for a fact there are women that watch this podcast and they ain't gonna see. Nope. The way you're gonna show up in this interview, it ain't even an interview. We just gonna talk like brothers. The way you're gonna show up, your height is not gonna be a factor because these women, it's some intentional women out here, and because I mean. I saw somebody made a comment on one of the videos that I did that went viral and they said, yeah, um, well, if you're not the right height for a woman, she going to cheat on you. If you ain't the right, this, cause I was talking about uh, creating a safe space for a woman or whatever. Yes. And if you're, if you're, if you're all these things, you don't have to worry about a woman stepping out. And some guy found a, uh, a moment to be triggered and said, yeah, but these women, you can be all those things, but you may not be the right height. And then they don't want you anyway. And I was like, because you hear that a lot. You hear women talk about they want a guy that's this height. It has to be 6'2". They can be they can be 2'2". They like somebody that's 6'2". You know what I'm saying? You're like, okay. But, again, that's a part of the preference. So we got to, in these dating streets, I want us to open our minds up to say, if you're praying for certain things for God and you're asking God to show up, then are you open? Because God had to start changing some things in me. You know, I had these preferences. I wouldn't be open to a woman that lived outside the DFW Metroplex. And God said, really? Like, is that is that how petty we are? Like, we mean that's petty. I need, you know. God was like, open your mind up. Open your mind up. So I opened my mind up to that. Uh, on my podcast, I talked about how I wasn't open to a woman less than five years younger than me. I'm 43 years old. So you get to about 38, maybe 37. You know, 37 on up. You know, that's that's about the, that's about the, <laughs> the age gap. God said, really? Are we that petty? Can you come on? We let's get to some grown. So I pushed it all the way down to 30. So so those are preferences that God has been opening my mind up to and various other stuff or whatever uh that I want to go deeper into. But just the fact that now my mind is open. My mind has expanded to say, God, I really want who you want for me. And when we have that mindset, when we have that posture, then now God says, now. I can use you. Now I can pour into you and connect you with your purpose partner. So you're meeting these women face to face. You meet them online. Um, you were a part of this program um, that was a self-development program. What did you learn from that spiritual journey? Wow. I did not realize how much I was holding on to in my soul when I went through that process and just peeling back those layers that was scary because it took me down to what I felt was like the bare bones of who I was as a man and who I was striving to be as a man. 
And when I was left with what felt like the bare minimum, it made me question everything up to that point. Like how much was I focused on pleasing others and appeasing others and not truly taking care of myself to be that impact that I could be in the world rather than just an influence for a moment. And honestly, that was the moment when I'm pretty sure my family would attest to this, but it wasn't officially, you know, diagnosed or, or labeled this, but looking back on it, that was probably my moment when I was battling with real deep depression. Yeah. Because it was almost like, well, who am I really? What, what part of me was actually me and what was it just kind of wearing the mask or putting on the facade for the friends or the associates that I was around? And once I got back to those bare minimums, and just really taking the time to reflect on that, that was what made the most impact when I looked over my life. That was the key moments when I had complete strangers, you know, telling me their whole life story and they just met me all of five seconds ago, mm. but they felt comfortable enough to be vulnerable with me and had the belief that they could trust me with that information. Yeah. And when I started just building on that, that was what gave me the strength to just start being more vulnerable with those that were around me. And that's what solidified a lot of friendships that I have. Uh, that's what helped wither away those that I thought were friends who really weren't. And it just, it brought such a level of peace and a level of freedom that that's where I operate from now. I, I cannot be knocked off kilter. I can't move, be moved out of the position of peace that I have because if I moved out of that place of peace and I start reacting to things rather than responding to things that disturbs my entire household. Yes. And that puts the legacy and the future generation that I have at home at risk. And I can't afford that because again, I'm a family oriented person. And it's like, if you, if you taint what I've been given responsibility over, that's a problem for me. Mm. What I've been given responsibility over. You made a comment earlier about um she already has a mother what is the importance of her seeing a wife for me it was very early on when she was younger um, she would see her mom and i out when we're going to the fair or taking her to the movies or taking her to a school event and one thing that she said was I want to be a mom. Mm. I want to have kids. And I said, that's good. Let's work on being a wife first <laughs> before you, before you're a mom. And because she was young, it really didn't, you know, register for her. So it was like, she just heard me and just said, okay, went on about her business. And then ever so often she would say the same thing because, you know, her interacting with her mom and them taking pictures and laughing and joking. And then we have her birthday parties and things like that. And she would have those moments where she would again say, I want to be a mom. And my response was, that's good, but let's work on being a wife first because you want to make sure that it's not just you and your child. You want to make sure that you have a full village behind what you desire because that's what makes it that much more yes. special, more memorable, and more meaningful to you personally. And just kind of reiterating that with her, it really – started resonating with me because I started realizing for my life and, and the desire that I had, I felt like my house was incomplete yeah. because there's only so much I can do as a man raising a little girl. Yeah. And we've heard the flip side of that for so long with, you know, mom saying there's only so much I can do for my son Yeah. because I was a product of that. Mm. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a mama's boy. That may be another <laughs> trigger for some ladies out there. I'm sorry, but she knows how to take a backseat. <laughs> but um, just knowing that dynamic, that's what helped me. Personally, I feel like that's what helped me grow as a man because yeah. I'm hearing the female perspective. So it's like, okay, this is what I'm receiving and registering from her. So this is how I need to respond to that from my end. And now I take that into raising my daughter where I want to be the example of a man for her to where she has that standard of, some little boy comes and starts saying stuff or trying to do stuff and it's just like, no, that's not how my dad did it. That, that's not how my dad operates. Yeah. We talk through this kind of stuff before yes. we do anything. So having the the idea of wanting a wife, it's to 
help give her the the mirror that she needs to where when she gets old enough to want that family because she wants to be a mom. I want her to have that standard of I need somebody that's committed to me who's willing to cover me and serve me and, and sacrifice for me so that I can truly serve and submit to them. And we have the full family dynamic that I've recognized in spurts, yeah. but I want it full fledged in my own house. Good, good. And so going through the program that you went through, why was that important for you to take that time uh, to take that time for healing? A lot of men don't go through healing. A lot of men will take that pain from the past bleed on the next person, damage that next woman, and go to the next woman, bleed on her. Why was it important? And what was the wherewithal and what brought that on for you to say, I need to, I need to go, I need to go get healed. For me, it was recognizing the cycle that would potentially happen if I didn't. When you have your relationship and whether it be you doing the hurting or you being hurt, it can easily turn you cold and make you basically retaliate on everybody that you come in contact with yes. after your experience. And for me, knowing that I wanted a family, you know, even in the midst of, you know, my prior marriage, that was my mindset going in at that time too. I wanted to make sure I was tried, tried and cleared of all things that, you know, I did that I wasn't supposed to be doing. So that way I could go in with a clear mind and a clear heart. And then when, Unfortunately, things happened and we had to part ways. I really wanted to sit down to see what may have slipped through the cracks in that process, what may have been pushed to the back of my mind or may have been, you know, compartmentalized and just kind of, oh, that's not really that important. And apparently it was because mm -hmm. it, it caused some rifts and it drove a wedge in between what was there. So I felt like it was necessary because it was like if I didn't, I was just going to continuously drive a wedge into any relationship that I have further because if I'm triggered by something and I don't handle it properly or I don't handle it in a mature manner yeah. because I have to lead the way. So if I'm leading from anger, if I'm leading from bitterness, if I'm leading from unforgiveness, that only pours over into who I'm covering. So yeah. then they start having that bitterness and unforgiveness towards me because they're not responsible for what I'm dealing with. I have to, I have to heal from that so that way I can truly bring the freedom that we all need in the household. But what brought that on? How did you, what, what, what was that? Was you in church one day and someone, you heard a sermon about it? Was it somebody, some accountability partner that say, bro, you need, you need to go get some help. You need to go work. What brought that on? Honestly, it wasn't in the moment. It's just the foundation of my life in itself. And I'd have to say my grandfather. Okay. He's the, the, example that I've had my entire life. He Good. was a man of faith. He and my grandmother and they're who I call the pillars of faith for our family. And that was my example. So growing up, you know, even though I had my, my prodigal ways, once I got of age, he was always my blueprint because I never had, I never had a desired career. My desire was, I want to be a husband and a father because mm. I absolutely loved my grandfather. Hold to on, life. hold on, hold on. That's interesting. That's interesting. It's interesting. You never <laughs> saw yourself in a particular career. You want to be a husband and a father. Yes, sir. And then hear your daughter saying, I just want to be a mother. You saw such a great example, which most people don't get a chance to see an example of fatherhood um, and what a, what a husband looks like. You saw that. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a firm believer that the reason why we can't the reason why, why we struggle in being great wives or get, uh, great husbands or great fathers is because it hasn't been modeled for us. And so what you see, you have a tendency to replicate, just like what your daughter saw. She was like, this is what I want. And here you are saying that the same thing. Um, what did you see? What did you see as this young boy that made you say, I want to be a husband and a father? Man, my grandfather was, <laughs> that's my guy. Um, is he still alive? Yes. Yes. And, oh, man, the, the, the testimonies I could say about him and my grandmother, even to this day, is is amazing. But growing up, just watching him come home from work, and our family was very close-knit, so how things kind of played out, 
when me and all of my cousins got out of school, we all got off the bus and we were at my grandparents' house. So all of my aunts and uncles and my mom, we all meet at my grandparents' house on a daily basis because we get picked up and then we'd all go home from there. But watching him come home from work until he retired and, you know, spend time with us, check on his wife, we eat dinner, and then he'd go and relax in his room with his wife, my grandmother, and just watching that routinely, um, watching him go through the trials and tribulations that he experienced, like having a, a serious injury on his work site and still finding a way to take care of his family and then go right back to work as soon as he could. Just watching that example of how he carried himself, that was what I wanted because then going out in the streets, going to my sporting events or going to school and seeing the total opposite of that, I had the examples of both sides and it was just like, I don't want that. I don't want what's in the streets. I don't mm -hmm. want what's in the world because you know, we had countless people losing their lives and, you know, families splitting apart and all of that drama. I'm just like, I, I'm fortunate enough to where I didn't see that. Yeah. I don't want that. So that was my example still is because I, I talk to him as often as I can. And that's where I get a lot of my wisdom from. Cause he, Does he live in the, in the area. He lives in Houston now. Okay. And he's, he's really the reason why I have the mind that I have because <laughs> to this day, his question to me, and I can recall all the way back to maybe when I was six or seven years old. Every time I saw him, he would always just say, "What you think, grandson?" And I never knew how to respond because I. He like, me he's out the blue. He just yeah. He was just as soon as he would see me, it was just <laughs> what you think, what you think, grandson? And I turn and look, I'm like, huh? Think about what? What? Uh. And then, of course, as you get older, you want to try to Unlock think you know middle. everything, and it's like, okay, well, what you know, grandson? And I'm like, okay, I'm not just gonna leave him in the dust i'm like i don't know and me and him have a, a very sarcastic sense of humor so i started saying i don't know I'm like you don't know much do you grandson i'm like oh see how you gonna do me like that so after that i'm like okay i gotta be more intentional about what i'm thinking so yes. I, I need to come with it so we can start having a conversation and over time going through ups and downs of life um getting to college and then trying to figure things out as i'm getting close to graduation had a moment of vulnerability with him because I just felt like I had no idea where I was going. And his response wasn't, well, what do you think? It was, sound like you got a lot on your mind. And then we started having a conversation from there. And then now we go back and forth in regards to faith and scripture and, and Good. things like that. So now I don't even have to ask, get asked, what do you think anymore? Now You're it's just, it. exactly. It's just, hey read this or, or I studied this. What do you think about this? And then we just get into a whole back and forth and it's hours on end. So I hear you talk about your grandfather. Did you see, was your father present in your life? He was present. It wasn't, it wasn't as consistent as I would have liked and pretty much anybody who possibly had their dad here and there. It wasn't as consistent as I would have liked. Um, however, I can't, how can I word it? I can't fault him for the way in which he was there. And I had that discussion uh, prior to getting married um, and even had this conversation because of, you know, some things that transpired within my family. And at the time, you know, growing up, obviously, as a, as a son, you're angry because it's like, why aren't you there? But when you get older and you start dealing with your own life trials, and then I reflect back, it was... I recognized he was put in a rock and a hard place where it was, you had to choose family or business. And he was trying to build a business on his own and not work for somebody else. And unfortunately he felt like he had to make the sacrifice at home to build up what he now has. Um, but we've reconciled in regards to that because we've had so many instances in between time where we've had to, you know, talk as father and son and talk as man to man. So, you know, I definitely understood it. And it was like, I, I hold no grudge. I hold no unforgiveness to it. But we're now at a space where, you know, he's even felt like he calls me and, and gives me, you know, flowers, so to speak, because of how he sees me raising yes, her. Yes. And that was something that really kind of broke me down the first time it happened because I, that was totally unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. I like it when it comes, you have a full circle experience and 
it only happens when you are healed though. It's like when you go through, God told me years ago that I will use your healing to heal your father. And I watch, I watch it. I watch it play out. Um, Dang, I, I love that. I love that. So as you've been on this journey, how open are you to being married? And is there some type of timeline? Like, are you saying that, yeah, I've been divorced two years. I'm not ready to get married anytime soon, but I do see that in the near future. Or, or what's, what's your take on that? I don't have a timeline. I do want to be married. I don't have a timeline anymore. Um, the only kind of timeline that I battle with is, is legacy of my own. I oh, mean, yeah. I have, I have her, but my running joke with my friends is I, I want to shoot for a son. Yeah, I definitely yeah. want to shoot for a son. And my timeline is, is 40 because if, if I hit 40 and I <laughs> potentially don't have a son, then I, I might be, I won't be a cat lady, but I'll be a dog <laughs> man. I, I'll start buying puppies everywhere. Cause I'm like, I'm out. I'm outnumbered. Like I said, I mean, <laughs> through through my mom I'm an only child but through my father I'm the oldest son and I'm surrounded by girls there um as far as my siblings who have kids Oh did you just kiss his hand? <laughs> that was beautiful. Um for my siblings up until the last 2 years it's been nothing but nieces for me. One of my younger sisters she had two little boys so I I got a couple guys in my corner now but I got sisters, I have nieces. As far as my my mom goes, majority of her siblings are are women. Um, you look at the total numbers in my family, it's you know, for every if you if there was a hundred of us, there's probably like twenty five guys. So we're outnumbered <laughs> everywhere. So I'm like, give me give me a son somewhere. I, I need a little bodyguard. I can't handle it all myself. Like I, I need a little partner in crime that that knows my she plight. Said, she said, no, no. She's shaking her head. No, she don't want no brother. No little brother? No. Sister. Oh, see? She wants to keep the girls around. It's the girl power. Girl power. Uh, how old are you? I'm 35. 35 years old. So you got, you said five years? You want to stretch it out a little bit to, you know, in your 40s? Because at the end of the day, you can, you know, depending on who you marry, then you got some, a man can always reproduce. I mean, for me, I said, like I said, I, I loosely hold that timeline just because my reality of, how life has gone. I can have all the plans in the world. <laughs> Don't mean it's going to work out that way. And one of the things that kind of came across my mind, honestly, a few months ago was what if my son isn't my direct seed? What if it's mm. me meeting somebody who has a son already? Yes. What if it's a girl dad meeting a boy mom? Yeah. And, that idea was actually like really cool for me, which yeah. is why I kind of like, I hold on to that timeline as a joke now, but I've spiritually and personally, I've thrown it out the window because I'm like, I like that idea better. <laughs> why? Why, I, like, I, why like that better? I don't know. It's just, it's the dynamic of. Cause it's interesting. I'm going to say that cause most men want their own son, their own legacy. As far as production, I produce this for my seed. He has my name, all that type of stuff. You know, I have a different frame of mind. Heck, that's why I adopted Armani over there. You know, I'm more in kingdom mentality to say, God, whoever you want me to have, then so be it. You know, I'm hashtag girl dad. Uh, Latarius, 25 years old. And um, and then here it is. I have my son over here, you know, that just came about two years ago. So I'm with you on that. But what made you decide to say that you're open to that and for that to be a new revelation? For me, it was just the reality of, you know, God's thoughts being higher than my thoughts. There it is. And there as, it is. as much as I may want a son, who said I had to produce him? There it is. I may just be the one who comes alongside, you know, we could read that throughout all types of scriptures for those who, you know, came before their predecessors. And that was really kind of like the aha moment, the humbling moment where it was just like, I may not have my direct seed, but if he has one of his daughters come my way and she has a son, if I'm graced to cover her, that means I'm graced to be the example for him. You better teach. So, Ja, you better teach. <laughs> you better teach. I love this word grace. I, I love this word grace. You said if I'm graced enough to cover her, then I'm graced enough to cover him. 
that's a beautiful thing because that's what we have to understand that's all about covering. It's all about covering. And it's so, it, it, it breaks my heart as fathers how many of our kids are left uncovered. Um, where kids were being, our kids are being raised without their fathers, some of them being raised without their mothers or whatnot, and they just don't have that covering of the opposite sex. You know, even raising Armani, I feel the, the lack of covering from a feminine energy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I can hug them, I can kiss them, I can tell them I love them, I can do all that, but then there's something about this feminine spirit that creates balance. Um, and I know it, and I, and, I, and I know that's missing. And so I invite his sister around, his sister comes around, and I'd be like, hey, you know, help me out here, you know what I'm saying? Then he's at my mom's house, and he gets that or whatnot. But it's like to have that covering from the opposite sex is priceless. Yeah, that, that touch is different. That yeah. touch is really different. And I know for her, she gets it just because I have to – I have to be mindful of my words on a daily basis with her, not because I'm, again, harsh or cold or callous or anything like that, because I'm always considerate of her being a very affectionate young lady and a very emotional young lady. So I always want to make sure that I don't cause her to wall that off mm. to where she becomes, you know, so guarded to where it's like she feels the need to almost be emotionless. Yes. Uh, because that was something that I dealt with where it was just like you show too much emotion. It's it's the word curse that so many men have dealt with where it's like men don't do that. Men aren't supposed to do that. Stop being this. Stop being that. And it shuts you down to the point where the only emotion you show is anger. And then you get into a relationship setting and it's like the woman is asking you what's wrong and you say, I don't know. They get upset because they feel like you're not letting them in. And it's like, I truly don't know because I don't know how to process those emotions because I've never, I haven't been working with them. So this is new territory. And then from my perspective, that's how so many of, you know, our, our sisters and, and our women get hurt because they're now left with the ebbs and flows of us working through those emotions and they end up taking all the hits in the midst of it. So that was something that I always wanted to be mindful of with her. But even though those moments where, I can do everything I can and make the quote unquote best decisions. Sometimes it's just that hug from mom or that embrace from grandma or just the softness of the words from mom or grandma, where it just sounds a little bit better coming from somebody who physically mirrors her. Yes. Armani and I just had this. Did we not just have this conversation? We had this exact same conversation at a restaurant because I was wanting to talk to him and he's going through whatever he's going through, still ain't really got to the bottom of it. But he's just like, man, I, I just want to talk about it. I said, the minute you create that narrative that you don't want to talk about stuff and that becomes a personality trait that you have, you just, you become where people keep trying to pull out of you. And a lot of people just not going to take that work. You know, as older you get, they're going to be like, man, I ain't got time. Leave him alone. He just, he don't want to talk about it. Let him not talk about it. And then it makes you so emotionally unavailable because, like, when you start getting in relationships, then the woman is like, hey, like you said, what's going on? I mean, I don't know. You don't know. And then she doesn't have a lot of faith in you leading her because you don't know nothing. You know exactly. what I'm saying? You're like, I don't know. She don't know how you're thinking. She don't know how you're processing information. You know, and a lot of it with uh, my son over there is that um, he's dealing with unraveling from some hurt. But he did it so beautifully. Like he, oh God. Like I said, I don't want to go deeper into his own, his business or whatever. What he went through in the last 60 days, not even 60 days, about 30 days, 30, 45 days was so beautiful you know what i'm saying but it took had he not opened up and shared with me he would have turned into a savage mm -hmm. because i was like hold on i see it in your eyes i see it in your hands you know what? when a man goes through hurt i'm gonna be quiet i want him to hear it ja what happens when a man goes through hurt from a female wow um i will share my story talk about um, because i was in college when when my savagery happened when you're not really one who deals with your emotions, but you connect with somebody or you feel like you connect with somebody and they start kind of tapping into that emotional side of you and you feel comfortable enough to start expressing it and then they hurt you. Oh, it's lights out. 
yep. it's lights out. It's almost like you discontinue those very emotions that you were trying to bring back out. And it's just like anybody can get it. Yeah. I don't I don't care how you feel about it because nobody cared about it makes you selfish. Yep. Nobody cared about me. So why do I need to care about anybody else? Sounds I'm going like to get mine. And it puts you in what feels like a good space, but it's really a downward spiral. It's a downward spiral. Because eventually you're going to feel so empty where it's just like you'll even be in a moment of wanting to be that savage. And it's like, I don't even like this. Exactly. It, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's far from worth it. And so, and that's the moment that I had with him. I was like, our mind don't go there. He said, I've always heard that nice guys finish last. I ain't finna be nice no more. I said, don't do it, son. Don't do it. Come back into the light. You're going into the dark <laughs> side. Come back into the light. He was like, no, dad, no. Because no. And, and and I saw him. I, I was like, oh, let me, let me save him. Because I know what that's like. When a man goes through hurt, like you just said, he like, oh, anybody can get in that. I don't care. I don't care about your feelings. And another, you meet the most beautiful woman come up and she's like, hey, you be like, you looking at her suspect like, you liar. You just yeah. a liar. You out here to get me to, oh, I'm going to get you before you get me. And you just start hurting people for no reason. They're like, man, what is wrong with him? And you and, and like you said, you'll get to that moment in your life where you're rock bottom and go, I hate who I become. And then you have to start doing the work. Hopefully, you're mature enough to then start doing the work because you recognize that you are destroying everything body that comes across your path man self-destruction is very real man it's the craziest thing so what makes you most excited about you're on this journey now uh you've been going through your healing uh, you've been facing yourself in the mirror you have this beautiful daughter that you have been entrusted by god to father and guide her on her path what makes you the most excited about being connected to your purpose partner What makes me most excited is... Because you've been here before. You don't, you, you've been married before. A lot of times when men get married, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm single. Oh, I'm going to be in these streets. I ain't about to go get married again. But here it is. You're two years removed, and you're open to doing it again. Yeah. I mean, taking that time to really dive deep and, you know, get out of the, the pit that I was in, whether it be what I did for myself or did to myself, however you want to word it, and the experiences that I had with, you know, external situations, just knowing that connecting with the right person and having the full family dynamic will change the outlook of what it is to be a man in the world, especially now. That's my excitement because that for me is that's the very root of a lot of the things that we deal with. It's the dismantling a family if we have families in place how, i gotta refer to my grandfather talk he said you can't you can't change your neighborhood if your house is not in order and i take that aspect into everything and it's if my if i'm in order then i can take care of my family and that puts my family in order which makes my house in order that bleeds over into my neighborhood my town, my city, my state, the country, the hemisphere, all the way around the world. If we could get back to truly valuing family. Talk about it. And really recognizing the joy of being amongst your loved ones and not trying to constantly turn up amongst strangers who <laughs> really have no care about you or your best interests at heart. Family is... It is the best thing in the world. And that's my excitement because I've noticed that in moments where you could see like a group of guys hanging out or a group of girls hanging out and then they see the family walk past. You see that like freeze in all of their faces because deep down they know that's the greatest accomplishment. That's the greatest achievement that you can have because parenting is the hardest responsibility in this world but it is the most gratifying yes to hear people observe her see her and watch her achieve and accomplish so many things and then turn to mom and dad and like she is such an amazing young lady or she is such he's a such an amazing young man nothing no job no amount of money no accolade that. 
no view, no like, no yep. share can can compare to that. And that's what gives me excitement because I have it now, but to share that with somebody else and then to add on to that as a unit and then to watch how that will enhance her. And, you know, again, if she has a child or children, like I could daydream about that all day. Yeah. Yeah. I was telling Armani was eating and I told him because he felt like he wasn't important in this world. I said, bruh, because I said, let's talk. He said, you got uh, you got more important things to do. I said, then what? Then you? I said, I don't care about no podcast, no nothing. Well, I say, you are my priority. You are what matters. I'd be dang if the Bible says what profits are a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul, where he's connected to my soul. He's my son. So at the end of the day, I can have millions of YouTube views, and my son is struggling and dying daily, emotionally and mentally and psychologically. I have failed. And that's why I told him, I said, boy, I don't care about all this. Boy, we're we going to sit down and talk. You know what I'm saying? And um, we chopped it up or whatnot. And we still got some unpacking to do. But um, we, we chopping stuff up. I said, at the end of the day, Armani, all we have is each other. And we got to talk. And you got to always have open lines of communication so we can dialogue. Always be willing to talk. Always be willing to open up. Because, unfortunately, most of our men were trained that our emotions don't mean nothing. You know, suck it up. You know, don't cry. You've been a punk. You know, instead of saying, man, talk, get it out. You know what I'm saying? Because I'd be dang. I said, hey, let's talk about it now for you spaz out and go hurt somebody. So let's talk about it. Um, when kids go and they start shooting up the schools is because somebody wasn't there to really talk to them or they felt like they were so unseen and they yes. felt like they were unheard. And if they really had somebody that showed them, man, what's going on, man? I see you sitting off to the side every day at lunch and no one is sitting next to you. Who wants to sit by themselves all the time? You know, I tell my sons, I say, if you see somebody sitting by themselves, go walk over there and talk to them. Go walk up and talk to them. And, and I make a joke with them and I say, because at least they know that they got one friend. If they decide to go shoot up the school, then they be like, I ain't going to shoot you. you know there what it saying? is. <laughs> I was like, like I, that's my little joke I say with him. I'm like, be their friend. He was like, he was cool, but the rest of y'all, no. <laughs> the rest of y'all can get it. The rest of y'all can get it. I said, at least be that dude to be a friend to the friendless. Um, and that's what I believe in. What I want to do, I want to end this episode with you Speaking to your daughter, the Holy Spirit just dropped this in my in my heart a minute ago. I want you to speak to your daughter. And as you speak to your daughter and affirm her, I speak right now in the name of Jesus for the words that spoken spoken over her is healing the little girl and the viewers that are watching this episode. So I want you to pour into this eight year old girl. The number eight stands for new beginnings, such a beautiful age. And I want you to speak into Anali. Well, we can start with... Let me get this microphone close to your mouth, right there. Slide it on over there. We can start with something that we've been doing for some years now. And it's something that we always say before we part ways for school or phone calls or trips or if I'm going to work. I always ask you who you are. And you always tell me you're God's daughter. And what does that mean? It means you're blessed. It means you're favored. It means you're destined to do great things. You've been put here because you have a mind, a heart, and a spirit that is going to impact anyone that you meet, anyone that you encounter. And the reason why you have battles, why you have struggles, is because this fallen world is trying to do everything to stop you from doing what you're meant to do because it knows that your love, your compassion, your affection, your desire to see the best in everybody else will change everything that is causing this world to go into chaos. So never lose the care that you have for others. Never lose the consideration you have for others. Always think for yourself because when you think for yourself, your caring heart always has others in mind just as much as you have yourself. So continue to be yourself. Never compromise your thoughts. Never compromise your perspective for anybody. Seek the wisdom in everything and everyone. And you'll make the right decision more than you'll make the wrong one. 
Thank you, King. Thank you, King. Listen. Thank you. I want to seal that to the broken daughters that's out there. You never had a daughter, you never had a father cover you. Um, allow what my boy Jai just said to stand in proxy of of what your father never said to you. I felt something release in the in the spirit realm as he was saying that. First of all, thank you, King, for pouring into your daughter like that. Heavenly Father, I lift up the brokenhearted. I ask right now in the name of Jesus for you to begin surgery. I ask that the words that Jai has just spoken over his daughter that all the queens out there who never had a father to cover them, that it heals their broken heart. Yes, God. In the name of Jesus, you said it's not by power nor by might, but by thy spirit, saith the Lord. So let your spirit overtake them right now in the name of Jesus. Satan, we bind up every lie, every demonic spirit, every foul thought, every feeling of low self-worth. We counsel that assignment right now in the name of Jesus. No longer will they look for love in all the wrong places, but God, they'll tap into you because God is love. God. And they'll first find their being, their becoming, their belongingness in you. Affirm them right now in the name of Jesus. And God asks right now for the kings that are watching this podcast, that God, the, the sons and the daughters that they've left uncovered, let them make a bold move in 2022. Let them pick up the phone and, and call their broken sons or their broken daughters and begin to, first of all, ask for forgiveness. And second of all, begin to cover them. Even if they feel like the child is not willing to receive it, or even if they feel like the, 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 the child is an adult now and let bygones be bygones, that they take an act of faith and they cover their child. In the name of Jesus, and God will be so careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the adoration because you're a God, God, oh, by yourself, and we thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you something, John. That was beautiful. I know you're used to hearing that, Anali, but was that, was that special to you? Yeah. You got a special father. You got a dope dad. And uh, it's so rare to, it's unfortunate, but it's so rare to see a man be present in his child's life. I want you to value that. I want you to uh, nurture that. There's going to be times where you have uh, friends that don't have the honor and the privilege of having a father as my daughter had several times and your father will step into position and begin to speak over their lives and cover them and be a voice of reasoning in their lives. I was that throughout my daughter's <laughs> whole school life, basically. Um, and you'll get a sense of kind of feeling a little jealous because you'll be like, I'm, that's my daddy's. Something that my daughter went through in her sophomore year, I would go up to a school and all the kids would run up to me and be like, daddy. And she peeled them away like, hold on, that's my daddy. You know, and, um, and then a couple of days later, she said, you know what? I was being real selfish because what I get on a daily, my friends don't have it all. Mm. And she said, I felt very Felt very bratty in that moment. Um, so you may get that, Anali. You may get that moment, and it's okay. We all human, but you got something special, and you're a beautiful young queen. Keep queening, young girl. Be everything that your dad and mom are pouring into you to become. Know your value, know your worth, and never lay your crown down for anyone. You hear me? That's right. Now you got Now you got an uncle. Now, girl, I go hard for my... All right, so I'm going to hold you accountable. So listen, I know you're not much on social media, but you do have an Instagram. Uh, what is your Instagram, King? Uh, it is Mr. Choice underscore HC, and Choice is actually spelled C-H-O-I-X. Okay, and I'll put that in the, I'll put that in the description. Uh, make sure y'all follow him. And women... You know, I'm Mr. Cupid, so hey, I like to, you know, I like to hook up when I see a good brother. Like, this is a good brother. Been tried and tested. Uh, been vetted. So, um, all you got to do, you know, my, my rule is men should pursue and not persuade, and a woman should present and not pursue. So, all you got to do is just slide in the DMs and say, hey, I like your episode. 
he gonna check you out and if he like what he see he gonna do the rest i'm telling you he an alpha male so he gonna shoot his shot so that is what it is right you cool with that yes indeed all right that's what's up so listen it's been an honor to have you on the podcast man thank you so much man keep doing what you're doing and um you know i see love in your near future so Keep doing what you're doing, and God is going to connect you with your purpose, partner. It's been an honor to have you on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Ladarian thrusted suddenly into Child Protective Services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted? Yep, you guessed it, slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury, state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. Though the young kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm Lataris R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. You've asked. We're delivering the first ever meetup event for Dear Future Wife, a Valentine's soiree for singles. Saturday, February the 12th, 2022, Dallas, Texas. Get your tickets at selflovesoiree.com. Proceeds benefit Kingdom Royale.
Man, gosh, I really enjoyed talking to my brother Ja. I mean, gosh, I hope y'all found a lot of value in this conversation. And I can't wait to hear the comment. I want y'all to drop a comment and let me know how him speaking over his daughter impacted you. Maybe that healed the broken girl in you. I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me about um, telling him to go forth and do that. And I would love to hear the testimonies from that act of obedience. Well, here's my favorite part of the podcast where I talk to my future wifey. Dear future wifey, love is rare. I'm not talking about basic love. I'm referring to linking up with someone who has a love that resuscitates you. Rare. A love so pure, you can't help but question its authenticity because a love like this escapes human understanding. Rare. Mary J called it real love. I call it rare love. You are the embodiment of the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. Sharing oxygen with you is rare air. Rare air in the Urban Dictionary is defined as reaching the level something could not be done, a great achievement, or something noteworthy. Your love is rare air, noteworthy. I look forward to humbly waking up to you and thanking God for your existence. Most importantly, we exist together to inspire others that rare love is possible. Your future hubby. Thank you for listening to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit, live intentionally and transparently, and don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family.